Chapter 4 of Life of St. Gerard Mayella. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Valeria. Life of St. Gerard Mayella by Reverend O. R. Basil Phillips. His Novitiate gerard duly armed with father caffaro's little note of introduction proceeded in whole haste to the redemptorist house at iliceto situated in a solitude rather more than a mile outside the little town this convent had originally been built by the blessed felix of corsano for the augustinians but it had been abandoned by them some time before it was accepted by saint alphonsus as a home for his religious the house was always very dear to the holy founder who loved it especially because of an ancient and miraculous picture of the blessed virgin venerated under the title of our lady of consolation which was preserved in the church attached to the convent it was here that saint alphonsus wrote his first book the well-known visits to the blessed sacrament and it was here that gerard was to spend the greater part of his short religious life he had hardly been a few days in the house before it became evident that the new brother was a model of every virtue as soon then as the father rector returned home he was told that the postulant whom he had sent Riliceto, far from being useless as he had feared would be the case was on the contrary the greatest blessing to the whole community gerard was soon after this admitted formally into the novitiate and given the holy habit of religion never surely had there been seen a more fervent novice if his life in the world had been most admirable his life in the cloister was still more so according to the testimony of the other brothers he managed by himself to do the work of four at the same time none knew so well as he how to unite the contemplative to the active life by making every external occupation one long prayer an act of unbroken homage to the majesty of god he never forgot who was the master that it was his privilege to serve in the religious state the convent in which he dealt was in his eyes the palace of the great king in the sunshine of his real presence in the midst of his own 
Gerard found the supreme happiness of his life, and his loyal heart rejoiced to do fairly to his lord, not only in the word but also in deed, in much patience, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, in sweetness, in the Holy Ghost, in charity unfeigned. For a short time he was employed in the garden. This kind of manual labor must have been strange and hard enough for the young tailor, but he never complained. On the contrary, he used to do the work of others in addition to his own, saying with a smile on his face, Let me do it. I am the youngest. Do you please rest yourself a while? The more humble the nature of the duty assigned to him, the better was he pleased. Deeply rooted in humility, he had taken labor for his bride and was never happy when separated from her. We may say at once that this was one of the most marked characteristics of St. Gerard's sanctity throughout life. His, at least, was no dreamy, useless, or unpractical existence. The mysterious mastery that we shall see him exercising again and again over the inanimate creation and the hidden forces of nature, God seemed to have given to St. Gerard as to St. Francis and to many of his first children, in reward for the purity of heart by which they almost returned to that state of original justice, when man, before sin, had torn the scepter from his grasp, was in very truth lord of all creation. But this perfect purity of spirit, this undimmed clearness of vision, which was theirs in such perfection that for them nature seemed to have raised her veil that thus she might disclose the powers of the unseen world behind her, could be purchased only at the price of a complete self-mastery and heroic mortification of all that is merely of this earth earthly and of the senses sensible this recovery at least in part of the rightful dominion in the universe which man lost in the beginning by his first great fall is one of the unforeseen consequences resulting in god's goodness from the austerity of the saints often to their own confusion an austerity that sometimes appalls us by the dread determination of its ceaseless self-crucifixion. It may be asserted, without any fear of exaggeration, that amongst all the saints hardly will one be found more austere or more devoted to corporal penances than was St. Gerard Mayella. Yet, 
At the same time, he well understood that the austerity which holds the first place before God and which is most acceptable in his sight is the austerity that leads us to the faithful discharge of the duties of our state, always sparing others whenever possible, never sparing ourselves. Well did he know that without this vivifying spirit issuing forth from the heart of Jesus, the mortifications even of the Baptist in the desert or of St. Simeon on his pillar would have been a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. St. Gerard always remains especially no doubt for those called, like himself, to the religious state, but also for all who will study his life, a most perfect model of hard-working charity. Those who live laborious days, as did Brother Gerard, and who, like him, are ever kind to all they meet, will become, like him, dear to God, and dear to their fellow men. So great, in truth, was his meekness, so devoted and self-forgetful his life, that it used to be said of him in the novitiate, either this brother is a fool, or he is a great saint. Verily, Gerard was a saint indeed, captivated with the holy folly of the cross of Christ. Saint Gerard was not long left in charge of the garden. Soon he was given the more congenial office of sacristan. We may easily imagine with what joy he undertook duties that brought him so continually into the immediate presence of that Lord who was the only love of his heart. Fifty years after the death of the only brother, people still spoke with admiration of the care which he lavished on all that related to the house of God, the taste with which he adorned the altars, especially on great feasts, was the subject of general admiration. His whole heart was in his work. His one thought was to beautify the place where Jesus dwells. His one great trouble that any should be found to neglect visiting the most blessed sacrament. For his own part, every spare moment was spent before tabernacle. Father Tanoia the venerable biographer of St. Alphonsus tells us that once he changed to be in a part of the church where he could not be seen by anyone, when he observed the holy brother pause and kneel down before the altar. Then he commenced, as it were, to wrestle with himself, as though he would fain steal away from some powerful attraction. 
After some moments of effort, as if he were still unable to escape, he, thinking that no one else was present, cried out loud, O Lord, let me go, I pray thee, I have work that I must do. Then obedience and duty triumphed in his soul. He tore himself away from the embraces of his God. Such is the love of the saints for Jesus hidden in the most holy sacrament. Hand in hand with the love of Jesus goes the love of Mary, his blessed mother. The zeal of Saint Gerard, worthy son of Saint Alphonsus, to spread abroad confidence in the Holy Mother of God, literally knew no bounds. Not content with fasting rigorously during the novenas that precede her feasts, it was his invariable custom to spend the last night as a vigil of devotion in prayer before one of her images or pictures. He was never more happy than when arranging some grand procession in honor of his heavenly mother, and by every means in his power he strove to propagate her healthful worship. The saints set much store on things which to the thoughtless seem of but small account. Thus, we are told that it was one of Gerard's great delights to distribute far and wide rosaries and scapulars of our blessed lady. He knew well that when the rosary is said devoutly, there the sacraments will be frequented, and the people will grow in the fear and the love of God, while the pious wearing of the holy scapular is the pledge of the special protection of the dear mother who never will permit any of her faithful children to die at enmity with her divine son. Thus, full of love for Jesus and Mary, the only brother seemed more like a seraph of heaven than an inhabitant of this dull perch of ours. So evident to all was his extraordinary sanctity that Saint Alphonsus gladly shortened in his behalf the time ordinarily required as a period of probation for a lay brother in the congregation, permitting him to be admitted to profession on July the 16th in the year 1752. Inexpressible was the joy of his heart. Henceforth, he belonged exclusively to God, his Saviour, to whose perpetual service he had bound himself by the golden chains of the holy vows. Henceforth, dead to the things of time he was to live for god alone stripped of all things earthly and nailed to the cross with christ his master he offered himself without reserve 
as an oblation to the Most High. His sacrifice was accepted and repaid a hundredfold by him who never permits himself to be outdone in generosity. God looked into the heart of his Son, so that it was empty of self, and filled it even to overflowing with the gift of his holy love. End of chapter 4 Recording by Valeria